you know, I, I might be ruffling some feathers with this, but anybody that has a problem with, <laughs> you know, we're not other the moral compass for for people outside of ourselves, and so. For us to judge someone, you know, there's a lot of invisible disabilities out there too. And you never know. And plus, if someone just wants to go get rowdy, who cares? Who are we to say that they can't do that, you know? Um, but everybody, hopefully, most people are going to be old someday. <laughs> and uh, because of the assist, they're going to be able to ride um, well into old age now. This episode of the Ben and Bikes podcast is brought to you by Dr. Squatch Natural Soap for Men. Let's face it, chaps, after a long day in the saddle, we stink. Now you can upgrade your shower game with Dr. Squatch Natural Soap. You want to smell like the forest? There's pine tar. You want to smell like the sea? There's nautical sage. And if you want to smell like you just got off a boat in the Caribbean, there's bay rum. Visit drsquatch.com. That's D-R-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H dot com for more detail. And now to this week's episode of Bed and Bikes. You're listening to Ben and Bikes with your host, Ben Lockett. This podcast is about bikes, but more about the people who ride them and their stories, and less about frame size, shock technology, or even the Tour de France. This is Ben and Bikes, where every bike tells a story. Some of you may remember all the way back to episode 15, where I interviewed Jamie Osborne about his brave recovery from a catastrophic spinal injury when his road bike's frame failed at 40 miles an hour. You can listen to this episode by visiting benhambikes.com. Today's guest has been on a similar journey, specifically a super active, action sports-loving person, has a brutal, life-changing injury, and learns to adapt to a life after that injury not only seeing it as a path to recovery, but also as an opportunity. Today's guest, Jeremy McGee, was hit by a car while riding his motorbike back in 2002, resulting in a spinal injury that took away the use of his legs. Jeremy has not only learned to live his life using a wheelchair to get around, but has taken things to a whole new level. In June 2012, for example, Jeremy did the equivalent of 2,000 pull-ups to drag himself to the top of Bloody Couloir at Mammoth Ski Resort, at which point he did what any red-blooded person would do. He strapped himself into his sit-ski and shredded back to the bottom, where I hope he was able to drink a well-earned beer. Jeremy turned this epic achievement into a movie called Drop In, and you can find more details about the movie by visiting dropinproject.com. He surfs four times a week, I understand, from his home in Cardiff by the Sea, and he is the proud owner of a three-wheel hand-cranked mountain bike, which, in my opinion, looks something like uh, you would find in a Terminator movie. Jeremy once said, anything of value is going to take work, sacrifice, and pain to achieve. Usually, the two reasons people have for not doing these things are time and money. If it's money, figure it out. If it's time, figure it out. You get less of it every day, so do it now. Jeremy McGee, welcome to the Ben and Bikes podcast. 
Thanks for having me, Ben. Uh, I hope I got most of uh, of that introduction correct. Are there any corrections from you? No, oh, that was cool, man. I I like the uh, the Terminator bike, <laughs> yeah. and I really like what you said about if it's money, figure it out. If it's time, figure it out. I like that. Right? Uh, can I use that? What was that? Is that copyrighted? Can I use that? Dude, you you wrote it. Uh, you said it. It, it was in an, a magazine article that I found that you said. So uh, you you own the copyright. Oh, awesome! Do you remember which magazine that was? Oh, uh, I think it was Adventure Sports Journal. Oh Cal- my goodness, I, that was a, that's an old one. Yeah, uh, it's it's yours to use. So go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, then I'm going to have to um, collect royalties on on that then. That's right. After the <laughs> you sign, you sign a media release, so we're we're good. It's okay, all good. All right. <laughs> um, so it it seems like you 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 were dealt a bit of a shitty hand there, but you you figured out a way to not only move past that, but also use it as as I said as an as an opportunity to take take your life in a completely different direction. How did you manage that? Oh, that's a good question, Ben. Man, um, well, I just want to start by saying it's it's not easy, you know. Um, yeah. I've been in a wheelchair now for oh, what's the math? My accident was in two thousand one. It's we're coming on to twenty nineteen. Yeah, um, seventeen and a half years, man. Yeah, and it's it's still hard, you know. I still uh, I. I still, you know, wake up uh, tired of the struggle. You know, yeah. I'm not going to paint a pretty picture for you. Living life in a wheelchair is, uh, I live a great life. Obviously, you can tell that um, um, by the things I share. But, you know, life in a wheelchair is hard, man. And yeah. um, so I'll start off by saying that. Um, but, you know, I almost I almost didn't live through my motorcycle accident and um there were paramedics across the street at a taco shop on a lunch break and they were on me they were on me in seconds and had me in surgery they said within 22 minutes and totally saved my life um so i am just lucky to be alive yeah. And to answer your question, that's kind of how I do it. I'm just, I'm just lucky to still be here, man, and still have a chance. Yeah, no, no doubt. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. You hear these stories about just being in the in the wrong place, doing the wrong things, but luckily being surrounded by people in the right place at the right time, as far as you're concerned. And uh, I know of a of a guy I rode uh, a long distance uh, road ride with. Um, and he trains and lives in North Carolina, uh, and he was riding up a hill, not far from his house, and he had a massive heart attack. Oh. He literally was lying unconscious on the side of the road. And who were the two people riding up behind him? But two heart surgeons out for their lunch ride. So they, yeah, and they had all their tools on them and everything. Surgery right there in the street. I'm just that, that type of thing, right? Uh, but it is it, crazy. It, uh, it's uh, it, it's good to have good people, good people around. Um, yeah. So you, you actually, in the the way that I that we ended up talking is that you uh, were featured in Bicycling Magazine recently, 
And you did actually refer to this, being in a wheelchair sucks. It's not fun, it's hard, but it's a gift in that I can go for a mountain bike ride. I'm not doing anything special. I'm just trying to stay sane. Is that pretty much how you approach your life at this point? You know, lately it seems if it's uh, if, if it's overcast or not. I'm telling you, man, uh, gray days really get in my head sometimes. And so, you know, right. um, I have good days and bad days. I have blue days. I have inspired days just like sure. any other person. And right. you know, it kind of depends on how I'm feeling in a day. If I'm if I'm out there exploring or if I'm out there, you know, just trying to keep my my head up, you know. Um, um, I'll, 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 I'll ask you this, Jeremy. Um, uh, again, uh, if you listen to this podcast with any regularity, you know that we uh, in many conversations that I had with people on this podcast, the idea of using a bicycle to keep sanity, whether <laughs> whatever situation you're in, uh, seems to be a, a common theme. Uh, do you find that being on a bike or just exercising in general, I suppose, but specifically as far as this is concerned, being on a bike allows you to reach a level of sanity that you wouldn't be able to reach without it? Yes. Um, for, for a few reasons. One, simply, no matter how I'm feeling in a day, if I can get out for a ride or not just even biking, just uh, get out in the ocean, get outside and move just right. for a little bit, I feel better. Simple. Yeah. But for me, uh, the major emotional issue that I deal with on a daily basis is feeling claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. um, you can imagine if you can't just get up and move or whatever that you feel stuck. Yeah. But when I get out into nature and I move in space um, and I get to go explore and I get to do it all on my own. No one yeah. has to touch me to help me with this bike. Um, yeah. That in those moments, I, I don't feel claustrophobic. Yeah. You know, there's a being out in nature. There's a, there's a sense of uh, feeling small and insignificant. I don't really understand how it works, but getting out there and feeling like that totally heals my sense of claustrophobia in that moment. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agreed. I think for for those of us who who ride a ride a bike without any type of disability, uh, that's true. Uh, and being stuck in a wheelchair uh, must take that to a whole new dimension. I, I would imagine whole new dimension. And then you know, <laughs> I, I struggle a lot out there too. You know, I get stuck a lot, or you know, it's, you know, I get a flat tire or whatever. And you know, handling those situations, they, <clears throat> you, you know, is is a little more difficult. Yeah, and I'm telling you, when I the sense of accomplishment that I feel um, from like fixing my getting on the ground and fixing my own bike or getting my ass out of a precarious situation. Uh, yeah. Although in the moment I might feel frustrated afterwards, man, I, I feel such a sense of accomplishment that uh, I, I feel good. Yeah. I meant to ask you at the beginning of the, of the podcast, when you did your, uh, your trip up uh, the bloody couloir at Mammoth, and then you shredded down. Did did you grab a beer at the end of that? <laughs> no, I grabbed an IV. 
<laughs> I uh, I ended up uh, in the hospital afterwards. Uh, no I don't remember going. I guess my I guess I fainted, and uh, my my friends rushed me to the hospital, which actually took like an hour or so because we were out in the backcountry. It's oh. um, a pretty gnarly um, four by four road uh, to get in and out of there. Uh, but my friends rushed me to the hospital and uh, with uh, dehydration and exhaustion. And uh, I woke up in the hospital, all the bright lights, and uh, I was okay with it. I realized where I was. And I was like, all right, I, this is okay. I, I pushed myself as hard as I could. So this is all right. <laughs> I, I will say uh, that's true. A, a, a An unnamed friend of mine and I and a group of people did a, did a big uh, mountain bike ride from um, uh, Grand Junction through to Colorado down to Moab. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And um, this nameless person who's also a firefighter, and his other firefighter friends bought IV bags with them uh, so that they could drip themselves every evening by the campfire. <laughs> That's awesome. I would love to do that ride, man. Yeah, and and there's only a there's there's one part where you would struggle, but actually thinking because it's just super uh, like technical, uh, but you could probably go around it. And if you had mates with you, which I would suggest that you did that anyone who does that does it with friends not not, not on their own uh you you could totally do that absolutely okay let's go let's go man that's right I, make, I could, I could do that thing, for you. Um, okay um so uh look uh trying to navigate a, a city in a wheelchair is hard enough um how how do you manage to go you know on a trail that that you've never ridden before uh, on your three-wheel adaptive mountain bike? <laughs> That's a really good question. That has become um, the question of my life. <laughs> it's right. like, um, I'll answer it with saying, with a lot of anxiety. <laughs> as awesome as yeah. this bike is, you see the photos, man, it's full suspension. Yeah. It has a power assist. It can, what it can get through is amazing what this bike can do right. where it can take me but yeah it's it's big it's it is limited um and i don't know if i can do a trail or not um i've gotten pretty damn stuck out there so much so that i've even been helicoptered out um and that is the question can i do a trail or not right the information is just not there yet. Um, sorry, train's going by right now. I hear that. Yeah. We, we live on the ocean, which means living on the train tracks. <laughs> <laughs> you know these are first world problems, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm quite all right with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the information is just not out there and uh, that is what's becoming my life's work is uh, getting the information, documenting the trails so that adaptive riders like me can yeah. go out there with less anxiety <laughs> and know what they're getting into. Yeah. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll come onto the, uh, onto the trail folks project in a moment, which I, I think is what, you are referring to um, yes, sir. Which is great 
Um, but w- when you do go out and ride, are you are you with uh, somebody else who can help you in case you get stuck? Not all the time. I'd say I ride alone seventy five percent of the time. Uh-huh. Um, and the other times I'm 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 with other people, and that is a huge determining factor. You know whether I can get through something or not. When I'm with somebody else, I can ride a lot more places. Right. Yeah. Um, and and the trails that you're riding seventy five percent of the time, I, I assume you've ridden those before, so you know what's in front of you. Yes and no. Okay. Um, uh, my rule that I'm supposed to stick to that I've agreed to, but don't, uh-huh. always, but don't always right. <laughs> is that I don't explore new single track alone. Right. Um, but man, I, I got, I have a lot of pride <laughs> <laughs> and I come up on a trail and I want to do it. It's, a tough pill to swallow to pass it and yeah. not go check it out. Um, and some, sometimes I do. And sometimes I get through it. No problem. Sometimes I get stuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I totally, totally understand. So tell me about the bike bike that you ride and, and also the connection to the, this unpavement project uh, website, which you think is unpavementproject.com. Is that correct? theunpavement.com theunpavement.com what 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 is that and and tell me about the bike that you ride well it's the reason behind the name is you know living someone living life in a wheelchair is pretty much relegated to life on the pavement uh-huh, right so we're talking about the unpavement of people's lives um, yeah. by getting them off the hard stuff onto the trail. Um, it, this bike, it extends my range, you know, um, and allows me to go places and think, see things I would not be able to without, without it. Right. And what was your second question there? Well, who, who makes the bike? Like, where do you get it from? Great question. Yeah. The, uh, the bike manufacturer is in Poland. Oh, no um, really cool guy. He is a double amputee. I think he's above knee, double uh-huh. above knee amputee. And um, he he built a bike for himself, you know. Um, and this is now the third generation of this bike. Um, and I bought one. I can't remember. Several years ago, I've gone through a series of adaptive bikes, actually. This bike is the first um, full suspension off-road hand cycle uh, with a a drivetrain. Before this bike, it was either or. It was either full suspension and no drivetrain, gravity only, or a drivetrain and completely rigid. Right. I've had both bikes and when this one came out, I was like, okay, this is the one. Um, And I bought one and I was getting so much attention on it that the manufacturer asked me to help sell them. Nice. So now I, I sell tons of them, uh, do really well. And, um, now the bike's in its third generation Yeah. and hopefully 
fourth generation and a year or two uh, really working on that. Um, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, that's great. The so theunpavementproject.com. Uh, theunpavement.com. The I'm I will put a link on my website to make sure that everyone gets this right. Uh, you can also visit jeremymcgee.com and uh, and easily find a way to yep. uh, that website as well. Um, dare I ask Jeremy the e question? Oh, absolutely! Not ashamed. Okay, so let's talk about uh, pedal assist op- opportunities for for those adaptive bikes. Yeah, man, my first bike. I was fully anti e-assist. Right. I'm like, man, I'm strong. I don't need it. And my rides were awesome. Yeah. They were five to six miles. Right. And I was left in the dust. <laughs> <laughs> my friends. Believe um, me. On, no, on I, I have someone on two wheels. I know that feeling. Very yeah. Well. I, on uh <laughs> On any given climb, if you were riding with me, you might as well just be walking on foot next to me. Right. Um, now, with the power assist, my my rides are more. You know, if I don't get if I don't get into double digits, I don't feel like I rode enough. Yeah. Um, my longest ride so far is twenty four and a half miles. Right. That's pretty awesome, considering I'm cranking with my arms. Um, I also, um, have had a couple neck injuries, um, huh. in, in some crashes and I actually, um, have atrophy in both my triceps. Gee. Um, so for me to crank a manual bike now with, uh, with those injuries, like yeah. a full manual non e-assisted bike would just, would just be pointless. Uh, you know, we're talking like major joint and ligament strain. And with the e-assist, I'm keeping up with my boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm right there in the pack, you know. Yeah. Uh, it it enables me also to ride more terrain. Yeah. Um, you know the um when when my hands are on the hand crank, they're off the handlebar. Yeah. Uh, there's actually cables attached to the chest pad, and I steer with my chest. No kidding. Uh, but you can imagine that's not precision steering and in single track and uh, rock crawling and downhill situations, I need both hands on the handlebar. Yep. And so with the e-assist, I can still propel myself when I, when I need precision steering. That's a big deal. Um, that, that, uh, that makes total sense. So that I am very, I'm, I'm very interested by the whole e-bike opportunity for many people. Um, just because I think it gives people access to do things that they aren't able to do. Um, and if you can get access to a trail or ride with your mates as a result of that, that's fantastic. I, I, I think that's just one of the really good reasons for uh, assist, uh, pedal assist. Absolutely. I don't, you know, and I, you know, I, I might be ruffling some feathers with this, but anybody that has a problem, with you know we're not other the moral compass for for people outside of ourselves and so for us to judge someone you know there's a lot of invisible disabilities out there too and Uh you never know and plus if someone just wants to go get rowdy who cares who are we to say that they can't do that you know um but everybody hopefully 
most people are going to be old someday. (laughs) And uh, because of the assist, they're going to be able to ride um, well into old age now. So it's, you never know. Um, You know, I have a buddy, he's young, he's strong for all intents and purposes. He doesn't need an e-bike, but he's not a mountain biker. He is an amazing surfer. (laughs) One of the, one of the better surfers in the area here. Um, but he likes to go out for a ride once in a while. He's not going to work on really building his, his mountain bike muscle set, you know, because he's a surfer. Sure. But, but, but when he goes for a ride, his the people he rides with are really good and he wants to be able to hang. So he yep. has an e-bike, even though he's young and strong and you never wouldn't, you know, know that it's a good thing for him. You know, he would probably get judged by a lot of people. So when it comes to the e-bike thing, I'm like, man, just worry about yourself <laughs> and right. let people do their thing. I don't know. I'm taking a break from the Ben and Bikes podcast to tell you more about Dr. Squatch Natural Soap for Men. Made with natural ingredients from the earth like oils, plants, goat's milk, Greek yogurt, and oatmeal. Turn your post-ride shower game up to 11 and get ready to get out of the shower feeling alive. Ship straight to your door, 100% satisfaction guaranteed. And if you sign up for monthly automatic soap delivery, you'll get free shipping on all orders. Visit drsquatch.com, that's D-R-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H.com for more details. And now back to this week's podcast. So um, looking back to uh, when you first started riding an adaptive bike, what, what do you wish you had known you know, on day one when you first started off on, on that? Oh, man, that is a good question. I've never thought about that one before. Now, um, my, <laughs> I wish I would have known about suspension, I guess. <laughs> my, first bike, <laughs> my first bike was fully rigid. And yeah. <laughs> I immediately, immediately started. The first place I took it was the Mammoth Bike Park. <laughs> <laughs> And I quickly realized that uh, I was a type of rider that needs suspension. And I sold that bike and got a full suspension bike. <laughs> so suspension being one of them, what about uh, equipment? Or, or, or one thing that's always that I'm always interested in is, you know, when you got the bike for the first time, your arms and just your upper torso in terms of being able to power something with with your arms uh your body's not in in the right shape so how long did it take you to get to that point where where you felt strong enough to be able to to pedal um with with that bike oh man right away you know when i got my first bike i I was in my 20s and i I used to I used to be Superman. I mean, I could climb anything, do anything. Um, nothing really phased me. That's different now. I'm 42. Um, I'm feeling the effects of living with reckless abandon for the majority of my life. Uh, that's a totally different story now. Um, but no, I, I, I never had a problem cranking a bike or um, felt like I needed to to work at it. I, I could, I could crank forever right away. 
Yeah. What what advice then would you give to someone who's who's just looking at the idea of getting on an adaptive bike who doesn't necessarily have that upper body strength that, that you brought to day one? Uh, what what advice would you give to someone who's just kind of look, looking at getting on an adaptive bike? Oh, uh, well, you know, the first thing, you know, people usually balk at is the price. Uh, that's that's the first thing, you know, not even thinking about physical ability. Yeah. Um, these these things are expensive. You know, they they come from Poland. Now, working with these guys, I've I've come to appreciate the amount of work that goes into them. It's insane. Oh, absolutely! I can only how imagine looking at the picture. Yeah, absolutely, it's crazy how much goes into building these things. They're highly specialized. Um, and uh, I bought my first bike full retail. Um, I. I think I had like $200 in my account after I wrote this check. <laughs> um, and I'm telling you, Ben, it's worth every penny <laughs> to be able to get out on the trail. And then, yeah, the second thing is, is am, the second question someone has is, can I do this? Um and I just have them try my bike, man. Um, jump in it. See if you feel comfortable. Uh, you know, crank it a little bit and see how it feels, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, you're, you're going to be sore. It's going to be hard. I mean, especially your chest. Your chest gets really sore using that chest pad. Yeah. Um, but just like anything else, man, saddle time. Just got to do the saddle time and, and slowly build. Yeah. So you've mentioned uh, you mentioned Mammoth a couple of times, and I see it. Uh, obviously, the bloody cool while was up in Mammoth as well. You spend a lot of lot of time there, I think. Um, do you uh, are they set up for adaptive sports better than any other mountain um, from from your perspective? Um, they are set up for adaptive sports. I don't know if they're better than any other mountain or not, um, but they do a good job. They have an adaptive program there. They're called. Uh, disabled sports eastern sierra they are they are getting a bike um which is really really cool um and actually my good friend my old roommate is in charge of building the bike park there um so i usually just text him and let him know if there's a problem a, a bridge that's not wide enough or or something and they go out and fix it um they go out and uh, make sure stuff's doable for me. And uh, there's a lot on that mountain that's uh, adaptive mountain bike friendly. I can do almost the whole mountain. Um, but fair warning, it's rowdy, man. <laughs> it's uh, a, a lot of it. You know, there, there's, there's trails uh, for beginner and intermediate riders. But the majority of that mountain is uh, definitely advanced riders only. Okay. Um, I live in Colorado. We're very lucky to have a resort near us called Winter Park. And uh, yeah. I, know, I know Winter Park does a lot of adaptive sports, both in the winter and in the summer. I mean, they get blind people skiing up there in the winter. It's yes. uh, pretty incredible. They're, um, the, um, they're the original adaptive program, adaptive ski program, if, if my information serves me correctly. I think they were the first one. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, so there's probably a, a few around the country that at least at least make more of an effort than some of the other resorts that may maybe make not much at all. <laughs> You'd be surprised, man. There, there's a lot of adaptive programs out there. Um, um, m most areas 
one of the mountains has an adaptive program or okay. or the town or the city does okay you'd be surprised at how many out there there really are yeah um i was on your your website and i saw a reference to your uh, coast to crest project mm-hmm. uh what, what is that what are you what are you trying to achieve there it's an obsession yeah, you even you say i have become obsessed with the coast to crest trail um yeah. what is that well, in all fairness, the Costa Crest Trail doesn't actually exist yet. <laughs> in your it's, mind, it's, it's well, no, it's it's there. It's it's some. It's called the Costa Crest Trail, mm-hmm. um, and it's supposed to be over seventy miles of trail going from the beach to the mountains here in San Diego of all trail, huh. but it doesn't link up. It, there, there's sections missing. Um, it is a work in progress. Um, okay. Now, um, if you go on Google Maps, um, you can see that there's uh, there's trail there already. You know, and Google Maps will actually, if you if you select to be that you're on a bike or on foot, it'll actually route you down these trails. Huh. Um, and the section that I've become obsessed with that just kills me, man, is there is a section of existing trail um, that goes through private easements. It goes through Fairbanks Ranch, which is actually the wealthiest community in the entire United States. (laughs) And um, the city, the city's plan um, proposes building an entirely new trail along a busy street like basically a dirt sidewalk yep. along this busy street. And right now, if you ride the quote coast to crest trail, you're routed along this busy street, which as a biker totally sucks. You know this, <laughs> uh, but there's this, and this plan is to route around a section of existing trail. It's already there. I've ridden it. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'm out there doing reconnaissance, sneaking through private ranches. Um, actually, I, I snuck onto this private ranch uh, on Thanksgiving Day because I knew no one would be there. <laughs> Just right. to go scope out the trailheads and stuff and see if we could figure something out. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. Some guy, some uh, cowboy came up and talked to me. And he's like, the owners don't like people being here. Well, first of all, he asked me if I was lost. <laughs> I, was, I was like, well, at least I picked a good day to come out here. I can get away with it, huh? <laughs> and he just kind of nodded his head. It was kind of funny. Yeah. yeah you, I, uh, you, you have the – you have the. Uh, I, I hope I'm not being flippant here, but you have uh, – you know, you're in a, uh, an auto effectively a three-wheel bike because you have a disability. No one's going to get pissed off with you. <laughs> So. Oh yeah. Well, here my plan is, you know, I haven't got caught yet, but it's probably going to happen sometime. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, man, I'm just gonna play the handyman card. Oh, totally. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just, oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, I couldn't turn around, and I didn't want to get stuck, or you know. That's totally true. It's I'm like totally it's like me when I get pulled over by the cops. In the on the rare occasion that I get pulled over by the cops. For doing something, you know, like speeding, I I do play the English card and um, say that I've I've only just got here, and I'm going back next week, 
and uh, I'm so sorry for officer, and they generally let me go. So that works out pretty well too. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah same thing. But the Costa Crest Trail, yeah, I'm obsessed with it. How cool would it be if you could ride from the beach to the mountains? Yeah. On all trail, um, it's going to happen. It, it, it's it's going to connect um, someday. I'm proposing a reroute um, because some of that trail that's blocked by the private easements, you can actually easily get to with only a short section of non-busy road. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, along with the the unpavement project, um, getting this Coast to Crest Trail um, all linked up um, is going to be also part of my life's work. Totally. And, and we can look forward to being called the Jeremy McGee, McGee Coast to Crest Trail, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, huh? has a great ring to it. It does. I, I totally agree. No doubt. Uh, so... Um, you have um, again, you know, one of the reasons why we got connected was because uh, I read about your article uh, in the in Bicycling Magazine um, and the fact that you are working on a project to help map uh, good trails for adaptive riders um, through trail forks. Um, it would be great if we could hear some more about that uh, specifically that project. And, and how people can get involved in that. Yeah, well, you're a mountain biker, so you've heard of Trail Forks. Yeah. They're owned by Pink Bike, which is huge. Yeah. I would say Pink Bike is to mountain biking as Facebook is to the rest of the world. Right. Um, if you're a mountain biker, you most likely have a Pink Bike profile and you subscribe to their blog and um, that's where you sell and buy mountain bike stuff and find out about all the new cool gear. Right. Um, and they started Trail Forks, um, which is now the number one trail information app used by mountain bikers. Yep. Uh, the way they do it is cool, man. They're about big data. Um, they are just collecting everyone's data from their Garmin and Strava rides. And it all goes into one place and it's pretty much automatic. If you use trail forks, you get an email after your ride that says, Hey, um, is there any important information um, that you could put into the system about your ride? Can you do a ride report, a trail report? It's awesome. And so I've basically just become a contributor to that big data. Mm -hmm. um, so when um, they, they've given me uh administrative uh, login capabilities i can go in um, and create trails and add information to trails uh, and for the unpavement project i'm basically out there out there riding documenting my experience um, um creating routes for areas that are adaptive mountain bike friendly um, we've created a rating system which is a big deal because yep. You know, everybody's different. Every bike is different. Uh, ability levels, I mean, the the gamut of those is just incomprehensible. Um, you never know. So we've come up with a very simplified rating system 
that we are getting uh, mountain bike associations, advocacy programs, uh, all the different city programs to adopt this rating system. Um, but the thing is, it's it's minimal. There's still there's still question. Um, like if I'm looking at an area, um, really the best resource is is uncut video of the trail, and that is. Uh, kind of becoming my, my, my biggest contribution. I'm running my 360 camera and I'm uh, posting uncut video, 360 video of trails to work in conjunction with um, the trail forks app and the rating system. So that adaptive riders can know what they're getting into. Where can we find the, uh, the rating system? Where can you find the what? The rating system that you, that you're suggesting. Oh, on, on the Unpavement website, we have it there uh, with the trail blog, um, which I am just uh, doing the trail blogs one by one uh, slowly. Uh, I'm you know, just trying to keep up with my workflow here. Um, I'm trying to get a couple done a week. Um, I've got like 30 or so that I still need to write. <laughs> uh, basically, you know, just writing about um, my experience um, everywhere I've ridden. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about this, Ben, is that um, anybody, any adaptive rider can just use the Trail Forks app like anybody else. They can jump on the app. They can check that they're an adaptive mountain biker, and it's going to show them what trails are okay for them in an area. So how, how can we contribute? So those of us, and there are many of us who use Trail Forks, um, what would we do? Can, I know there's a very specific perspective required for someone to rate a, a trail for an adaptive rider. But let's just say, uh, so if you're an adaptive rider, uh, you're going to have, you'd be able to understand whether that trail is good for you and you can mark that in, in, within Trail Forks. Uh, but are you also open to people on two wheels um, having a general idea of whether this would work for an adaptive rider or not. Maybe that's a, that's a interesting question. Uh, we haven't really considered that. I mean, we are going to be training, um, other um, ambassadors that'll be doing trail documenting for us, but yeah, those are other adaptive riders. Right. Um, basically you need an adaptive bike to go down the trail. Right. So yeah, you could jump in one. <laughs> I actually always wanted to give it a shot for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. You know, this is this is a lot bigger than me. Um, this isn't the Jeremy show anymore. You yeah. know, my entire yeah. life I've I've been a pro athlete. I've been out there, you know, self promoting. You know, trying to get sponsorships for myself as an athlete. But those right. days are over. You know, I'm promoting something that's that's way bigger than me, yeah. and I'm hoping to put a platform in place that is going to go on and grow long after I'm gone, you know? Totally. But you, so what you're saying is you would prefer if the reviews that are coming in are actually from people riding adaptive bikes. I, I mean, I think it needs to be, okay. uh, it doesn't, doesn't matter if it's an able-bodied person or not, but yes, uh, it's gotta be an adaptive bike going down the trail. Totally. Um, that, yeah. that makes total sense. So um, anyone listening to this podcast, uh, whether you have, if you have trail forks, uh, then, and you're an adaptive rider, then please make sure that you go to Jeremy's website and you're marking those trails based on the category categorization of what he's providing. Um, and if you don't have trail forks, 
period, get trail folks is my advice. Uh, yeah. And you know, the biggest way that someone can contribute honestly is uh, we're looking for sponsorship right now. Okay. Uh, it's most likely going to come from outside the outdoor industry. Um, yep. But you know, if, if you work for a company or work closely with a company that you think might want to get involved yeah. with this really cool project, you know, I'm going on tour, I'm talking to kids, I'm showing them the bikes, I'm meeting with uh, the local mountain bike associations. Um, this is a really cool thing. Um, and there's, there's a big need. Um, and the need is only, only growing totally. uh, with the amount of uh, people with disabilities out there growing yeah. and the and the ability to get this bikes, these bikes getting bigger. Um, if someone uh, knows of a company that wants to be a part of this, uh, send them our way. Very good. Uh, contact Jeremy on his website or let us know at benhambikes.com and uh, I will connect you to Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, I know that you have to get out of here. So um, a huge thank you for, for being on the Ben and Bikes podcast and for for telling your story. Uh, I know you, you're probably one of these people that doesn't like hear people say you're an inspiration, but I think you are. Uh, and I, and I think what you're doing to give back to the, to the, to the world of mountain biking and cycling, uh, give people an ability to get off the pavement, as you say, is fantastic. So, uh, thanks for everything that you do. Well, thank you, Ben. It's, it's been a pleasure being here. I've had a good time. Good stuff. Uh, have a great day, and uh, and we'll talk soon. If you come out to Colorado, give me a shout. Yes, sir. We'll do that. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Ben and Bikes podcast. You'll find this and many other episodes about athletes, authors, filmmakers, and community organizers, all with a story to tell about bikes by visiting benandbikes.com. Thank you for listening. We'd sure appreciate it if you could rate and review the Ben and Bikes podcast wherever you listen. We appreciate your support, and thanks for helping us connect with other bike enthusiasts. If you have a bike story to tell, email us, ben at benandbikes.com.